You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, guys? This is the Talking the Star podcast. I'm your host, Connor Livesy. Here with my co-host tonight, Cole Patterson. Dalton Miller not with us, but to replace him, we have the great Bobby Belt from the NFL Network. He does so many other things, too. He just he has his hands full, but uh, he is on the show with us tonight. Bobby, man, how you doing? I'm doing great. I, uh, you know, I didn't want to replace Cole. I didn't want to replace you. I said, like, look, I'll come on tonight. But the stipulation is like, I have to replace Dalton. Like, I cannot be on at the same time as him. Like, it's just, it's not going to work. So the fact that I'm replacing Dalton is great. And and I like that. That has a ring to it. Bobby replaces Dalton. Yeah. Could, could, could be a full-time thing too, if he doesn't get his act together. But, uh, is, is cool. he just like what's he, what's he doing tonight? Is he uh, fostering his Big Ten connection? Is that what he's doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he's uh, he's trying to trying to get the the all twenty two tape from from the Big Ten because we know he just has a personal vendetta with you over that. I mean, he's 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 the master at it. He's the relationship <laughs> builder. And I'm just kidding. I love Dalton. I don't want people to think I'm serious. People take me too seriously. Dalton's my guy. Like, but I have to rib him. Cole, you doing all right? Do you have any shots you want to take at Dalton while he's not with us? Uh, I'm trying to think of one. <laughs> I guess he uh, he he, he looks Bobby like uh, he it. looks like he looks like a poor man's Adam Driver. Um, <laughs> he was against Dak Prescott uh, when it was cool That's to be against the him. Then tried to like uh, turn course and was like, oh yeah, he's 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 the man. Like uh, yeah, I mean, there's lots of stuff you can yeah you can go my, for. I don't think my, I, I don't think uh, I used it all up Bobby at all. <laughs> Mine right now is he still thinks Leighton Vanderish is just an all pro, so I gotta get the, I gotta beat that out of his head like we beat out the Dak Prescott hatred. But um, man, it's, it's, it's too it's too it's too much. It's it's too much for me to like turn my focus on anybody's Leighton takes, <laughs> uh, good or bad, just because it's like man, there's like uh, it's like what's the uh, what's that verse in the Bible that talks about like a speck oh, of uh, dust in your brother's eye when you've got like a two by four in your own. Like it's tough for me to like talk about latent speck in his eye when there's you know a two by four and fifty four's eye. So <laughs> we are we are going to get into a lot of things today. We got a lot to talk about, but I did want to get into and start with we had some some Jerry quotes today that really really sparked a lot of conversation. I don't have the whole the whole podcast would be taken up if I read the whole quote, um, but pretty much he compared. He was asked about. Uh, Carson Wentz and the Philadelphia Eagles and if their struggles with that new deal with Carson had had impacted negotiations with Dak Prescott and he you know he gave his Jerry 
uh, verse of, you know, pretty much going all the way around it without really answering it. But at the end, he did uh, he did make a little bit of a stronger remark. And he said, not that this is directed at any player. That's just a negotiation. That's real. That's not BS. That's a very real thing. That's like an ankle injury. That's like a depreciation in talent. That's very much a part of what goes on when you're trying to put a team together. And it was talking about allocating a lot of funds to one player or, or, or two, you know, one position. And that was pretty much the way he, he, he laid it out. And then he finished with that. Bobby, I wanted to get your take on it uh, first, because I know, you know, you're a big fan of Dak. Cole's a big fan of Dak. I'm a big fan of Dak. Um, everyone on this podcast has been chomping at the bit to get a new deal done with Dak Prescott for the last two to three years. Um, and it just, it hasn't materialized and, you know, we keep hearing new excuses, whether it's his fault, the agent's fault, the Jones's fault, it just hasn't gotten done. And when you hear a quote like that, what is it kind of, what's the first thought that really comes to your mind when you hear that kind of shot taken at him almost? Um, well, first off, I would say that in terms of like placing blame. So I think that the first off season, he was eligible for an extension uh, which was the summer, Twins. spring, summer of 2019. That one is all on the Cowboys. That right. negotiation is 100% their fault. It's not a split, you know, it's not like blame can be passed around equally. That's 100% on the Cowboys. Last offseason, this past offseason uh, during the pandemic, I feel like that's, that's a little more 50 50. Um, right. And in terms of it's 50% on the Cowboys, 50% on Dak's camp. Now, all of that 50% could be on Todd France. Maybe some of it's on Dak. I mean, it's, it's tough to understand how much Dak has been involved in the negotiation at all or what he's like, how much autonomy he's given to Todd France of just like, go out there and negotiate it for me and I'll trust you and don't bother running anything by me. Just tell me when it's done. Um, I don't know if it's that kind of a thing, in which case he wouldn't be really responsible for the negotiating issues that went on or maybe he's, he's had a hand in it. I don't know. But the first offseason I think is 100% on the Cowboys and this past offseason was – 50-50, but I also think that part of the reason why they found it difficult to negotiate and Dax Camp took on some blame is probably because some hurt feelings or some bitter feelings from the previous offseason. Right. And so in the end, you can still kind of shift probably more blame to the Cowboys for how things went this offseason. Um, so that being said, I, I, take, I have a hard time taking anything too seriously that Jerry <laughs> – says about negotiations publicly because i mean that's he's a businessman he knows all about leverage he he knows all about you know the art of the deal and the negotiation and everything else and so i i can't think that he would be doing anything other than just playing a game there a little bit um playing the game whether it be in regards to the negotiation or creating some level of doubt uh across the league about their intentions and to potentially increase value on their pick for a trade to make people think like, Hey, we might really take a quarterback here. Um, you know, there are all these sort of different angles you could come at it from. I, I don't think that he's, I, I think back to Zeke who Jerry's mm -hmm. comment there. And in the end, they pretty much lost that negotiation and they were the ones who blinked and they were the ones talking about, you know, Zeke who at the time, and they were talking about the same sort of thing at that time, like, you know, about, oh, there's this pie and people are going to come in and they're going to get their cut. And, oh, look, Jalen came in and got his cut. Y'all, y'all come get you some pie before it's all gone. And so 
I, I feel like it's just it's that it's getting closer to the end of the season. It's getting closer to the actual time of negotiation. And I think they're just playing that sort of game. Could they legitimately, could that be a legitimate tip off to Jerry has his doubts and maybe they're considering moving on? Sure. But I also feel like if that was real, they would have done a, a much better job at this team tank thing the last couple of weeks. And, and they would have made sure they were in position to get one of these, you know, big quarterbacks and, and a draft that's, seems to have some rare quarterback talent in it. I can't imagine you'd be willing to move on from Dak while trying to, you know, win a couple games at the end of the season and pick 12 and have all four of the top quarterbacks gone by then. Yeah, I want to circle back to something you said uh, in a second, but Cole, I wanted to get your take on that too because we've obviously talked, broken down, talked so much about a lot of quotes from Jerry. Is that one yeah. that kind of stood out to you or are you kind of on the same, same page as Bobby where you kind of just roll your eyes at a lot of what he's saying? I mean, yeah, I do agree with a lot of what Bobby said. Kind of, you kind of have to take what a lot of what Jerry says with a grain of salt. Um, as Bobby mentioned earlier, he kind of goes into um, you know these interviews already knowing what he's going to say, regardless of what he's asked or regardless of what's going on um, in the NFL world or with the Cowboys. He already has a list of topics that he wants to address and get his points out there. And I'm sure he's probably using some of this to. Hopefully, maybe for him, at least, get some leverage in negotiations. Maybe he's thinking uh, Dak will want to take a pay cut or take less money if if um, he's – I mean, I don't think it makes logical sense to do all what he's doing. But I, I'm trying to think of it from Jerry's perspective. Um, but back to what Bobby said, you would think that they would probably tank a little bit better um, if they were planning to draft a new quarterback. Um my response to that is that that would make too much sense for this team to do, and it doesn't seem like a lot of what they do <laughs> makes much sense. So, um, I mean, it would make a lot of sense for them to uh, prepare to get a Justin Fields or to get whoever they like better between Zach Wilson and planning on moving on from Dak. But, I mean, I don't know. I don't think it's alarming per se. Like, I don't think it caught me off guard. Where I, When I first saw it this morning, I was like, oh, that's the same old Jerry. Um, he always says something really insane on the radio it seems like almost every week he says something it's like wait why did he say that um but I, do, I don't see why he felt like he had to say that um i don't think it was an accident that he used the ankle and you could use any injury in the book and he uh, specifically said ankle injury i don't really think that's an accident um i think he you know i i just don't know what how much to take out of it because he says so much that doesn't make much sense or really doesn't hold much weight um, because he's done this in the past and they've lost negotiations with Zeke. They've lost negotiations before. And um, so while I think, uh, I don't think it was necessary for Jerry to say that what he said this morning. I don't think it's groundbreaking news either. Bobby, you said something that I wanted to kind of circle back to when you mentioned the the pie comments, the Zeke, the Zeke who comments with, with Zeke and, and Jalen. Um, I think a lot of the fan base's concern is that is this team, you know, like I, I understand where you're coming from when you say, you know, you know, he's using these to negotiate. But can you I mean, because, again, like we always kind of talk about it in the media and, and people who cover the team and, and fans, they always kind of mention the. You know, when he goes on the the radio and talks about how good Dorrance Armstrong is and talks about, you know, how Boy, Ezekiel Elliott's... man. That 92, <laughs> he's something else. Right. Like, Ezekiel Elliott's the best player on the football team. Like, do you think... We were texting back and forth about this earlier, but do you think, like, in the back of your mind, you have to have that that sense that maybe they just don't understand how 
impactful Dak Prescott is to this team and that they do think that Ezekiel Elliott is this, the straw that stirs the drink. Like in the back of your mind and the back of a lot of fan, you know, fans' minds, they're probably thinking, geez, is that really going to become a reality where they, they don't look at that, that the, they beat the Bengals and that they beat the 49ers who are as banged up as they are. And they go, mm-hmm. Oh, Andy Dalton's, you know, four and four with you know, Dak <laughs> Prescott was again, stupid argument. I think anybody gets that, but I, yeah. I can understand why fans are worried about that. Uh, no, I mean, I think that, I, I think they've thought that at points. Like, I think they thought rookie season after rookie, like Zeke's our best football player. I'm sure they thought it in 2017. Like, like those are thoughts I'm sure they've had. I don't believe they really think he's their best player. Like, no matter how you defined it, whether it be at that moment, given all the injuries and who was available to play, um, or if you look at it from just period, who's on their roster, like when everybody's healthy. um, I I don't think there's any way they genuinely think Ezekiel Elliott is better than Dak Prescott because Ezekiel Elliott has – had his fumble issues. Ezekiel Elliott has had his, uh, you know, his issues with drops, and he, he hasn't had the explosiveness. Um, Dak Prescott has every year kind of stepped his game up. They've talked about it publicly and internally, how he continues to grow and, and continues to play really well. And it is such a quarterback-heavy coaching staff, even more than the Garrett staff, in that quarterback coach Doug Nussmeyer was, you know, a quarterback in the NFL, fourth round pick. Uh, you have Kellen Moore and, uh, you know, you got Seneca Wallace on staff and Mike McCarthy himself and uh, Scott Tolzien. And so there, there's such a big emphasis on, on the quarterback, even with the coaching staff and other things that like Jerry generally is going to take what he hears in those meeting rooms and use it to form his opinion. And he, there's no way he's hearing Zeke is our best player or Zeke is better than Dak Prescott. I think that was just a, Reaching a player where he was, down in the dumps, a little depressed, and a player they needed to play better, I think that was more calculated. I think that's what that was about. But, I mean, I think they, they absolutely understand that Dak Prescott is more important to this team. And, and I think when you ask that question of, is it possible they, they don't understand how important he is, I think you could have made that argument, or at least made the argument that they, I don't think completely discounted him, but maybe slightly undervalued him before he got hurt. Once he got hurt, and I think they saw what they lost on the field and what they lost in the locker room and what they lost in the practice week and what they lost in just stability to the, the group of guys there, I, I think it, it sent a message to them. And I, I think that there's no way they don't understand that anymore. And I think there's just been a lot of discussion lately. Uh, there's been a few articles like that. Joel Corey at CBS last week had the article about rarely does a player suffer a season-ending injury and like increase his value right. and yeah. increase mm-hmm. his leverage. And that's exactly yeah. what Dak's done. And I think everybody understands the Cowboys have zero leverage. And so I think what you're seeing now is just they're a couple weeks away from being into the offseason here, and they're a few months removed from everybody feeling, you know, devastated about the injury, that I think it's just now Jerry feels like it's appropriate to start trying to get the wheels going on that a little bit, on, on that negotiation, and try and create any sort of leverage or any sort of defense to Dak's leverage that they can. And I just think that's what this is about. Yeah, and you, you brought up something earlier when you were talking about, you know, how – Two years ago, when the first you know talks of contract extensions started, you know all the all the fault fell on the Cowboys, and then last this past offseason, a lot of that fault was was split fifty fifty. And and I've always said that 
the Cowboys lost a lot of most, if not all of their leverage as soon as they didn't get Dak done early because that then puts the ball in mm-hmm. Dak's court. You know, if he's playing well, he can pretty much ask for whatever he wants and there's no early money involved. There's no early years involved. It's just new money. Um, and I think mm-hmm. that's where they messed up the most is not getting that done early. Probably well, and not, not, not just, not just new money, but letting, Carson Wentz and Jared Goff right. and Patrick Mahomes get their deals done, yeah, and Watson. what you run the risk of this offseason is you're Lamar. a race to the altar against Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen. Baker and and they, they, they got it. Well, I mean, let's cool with Baker a little up. bit. But, but oh. the others, <laughs> sure, sure, let, 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 let's go with the other. But, I mean, it's just, again, thinking even back to that quarterback class, it's a great example of how dangerous it is to play the quarterback game and right. reset your quarterback a little bit when – one of the quarterbacks taken, the guy taken ahead of the National Football League MVP from last year. The, guy t- the quarterback taken ahead of him just got signed off of a practice squad to go to San Francisco with his like, fourth team already. And the guy who everybody thought originally was the clear-cut number one quarterback in that draft is the guy who now the Jets are sitting around going like, oh my gosh, how do we get him out of here? And so, yeah. I, I mean, there's so much that you would think the evidence is so overwhelming that they'd have to know better. But I also think that, again, they're just trying to play the leverage game a little bit, whether it's leverage with Dak or leverage with the rest of the league to try and create value for their pick. And like, hey, we're somebody you might be able to trade up with if Trey Lance is there. Right, right. No, I definitely agree. Before we go to break and change subjects a little bit, I did want to ask both of you, but Cole, I want to start with you. Uh, We're going to move on from Dak Prescott. What do you think happens this offseason with Dak? Does he play on the franchise tag? Does he get an extension? Um what do you think kind of happens in 2021 offseason with Dak Prescott? Yeah, I've kind of gone back and forth with this just because um, I just don't know what Jerry and them are going to do. I don't know if they're willing to um, to go to Dak's number. Are they? Or do they want to risk doing a franchise tag? Are they interested in one of these quarterbacks? I don't think they are. I do think at the end of the day they do get a deal done with Dak. Um, they might uh, do the franchise tag and see if they can wait and negotiate and sign him to a long-term deal. Um, however they do, I do think he does get a new deal, and I do think he does get to the Cowboys uh, long-term. I don't. I think everything else from the media, I think Jerry Jones talking on the radio, is all for, for show, for drama. You know, Jerry loves making headlines and being in the news. I think that's all it is right now, um, kind of what Bobby was mentioning earlier. I mean, you don't really see many players raise their value when they're on when they're off the field, and Dak has done just that. And I do think they know how important he is at the end of the day, and that deal does get done, in my personal opinion. Bobby, what's your thoughts on the 2021 offseason with Dak Prescott? Is he going to be back? Is it on the franchise tag? Is it a new deal? Does he go to Cabo? What's what's the deal? <laughs> I mean, they'll, they'll franchise him, um, but right. that's just to you know, retain his rights. I don't think there's yeah. any chance he – he plays on the tag. I think they get it done. Um, I but I mean, I've also, again, I thought they were going to get it done at every single turn and I they haven't. <laughs> so, That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, my anticipation is they get it done, but I, I don't have the, the best history of gauging that they will. Um, and so I think that they franchise him and they get an extension done. If they don't get an extension done, I don't think he's playing ball with you on a trade. So yeah, you can write so, that either. off. Yeah. And then I think he's, if he ends up playing on the franchise tag in 2021, then you will get a, a third-round comp pick in 2023, and he'll be, you know, in 2022, like, lifting the Lombardi Trophy with Sean Payton and the Saints. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And yeah. is it yeah. – 
Bobby, I did want to ask you before we go to break, because you kind of brought it up. Do you think there's any chance that if they don't get a deal done, that he just doesn't play at all in 2021? He doesn't play no, on the no, franchise side? No no, 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 he'll play. He'll play on it. Um, but, I mean, that's just – that that'll be it. It'll be over yeah. at that point. Yeah. I agree. I agree. But, all right, we talked enough about Dak Prescott. We're going to go to break, come back. I'm going to talk a little bit about – uh, Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard, kind of what we're looking for there, and then talk a little bit about the NFL draft, uh, the 2021 NFL draft. Bobby, I know you're starting to dive into it, uh, talking to some, some of these prospects and kind of see what direction you think this team should go. We will be right back. We are talking the star. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And we're back on the Talking the Star podcast. I'm your host, Connor Livesey, here with Cole Patterson and Bobby Belt. Tonight, we are having a great show talking about Dak Prescott, the Cowboys' future, the NFL draft. We're going to cover it all. I uh, want to give a big shout out to Blogging the Boys, SB Nation, and Vox Media for allowing us to host the podcast. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the Blogging the Boys podcast feed on whatever podcast platform you listen on. Just search Blogging the Boys, hit subscribe, and you will get a ton of different voices uh, with a ton of different opinions about the Dallas Cowboys. Um, we saw Tony Pollard finally get a... It really wasn't a workhorse workload because he only got uh, 12 carries. He, he did do good uh, catching the football out of the backfield. Um, we didn't see the 20, 25 carries that a lot of people were hoping for, uh, but we did see Tony Pollard get the starting reps, um, and he did really well. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about that and kind of just see if maybe there's a chance that this team could look to move on from Ezekiel Elliott in the foreseeable future. Uh, Cole, how do you how do you think uh, Tony Pollard did in his debut as the Cowboys' starting running back? Yeah, he definitely impressed me. Um, I know he. There's some discussion on Twitter, um, kind of reading through that, saying if you take away a run or two from his, it wasn't all that of a productive day or whatever the case was. But at the end of the day. He was, he was able to do something that Zeke struggled with all season. That's make explosive plays. That's be able to uh, get down the field and uh, get 20-plus yards. And uh, He was effective as both a runner and a catcher. Um, I was looking – I was actually writing an article today for A to Z Sports Dallas just about, about Tony Pollard, how he's kind of taken that, uh, that role in stride, and he really stepped up to the challenge without Ezekiel Elliott against San Francisco. Um, he averaged over seven yards per touch. He obviously had those two touchdowns. And I think that, you know, that was it was really just a breath of fresh air to kind of see, you know, running back in this Cowboys offense be able to do that. Um, he's shown flashes um, throughout the year. We all know about Ezekiel Elliott's struggles, um, whether that be his explosive ability, catching the football, holding on to the football, regardless of where you want to take that. But it was I, I was a big fan of Tony Pollard on – Sunday, and I do think that uh, that they should they need to use, utilize him more often in this offense, even when Zeke does return. Um, I know that was a big topic of discussion heading into the year. How much are we going to see of Tony Pollard? What does he bring to the table? And I think just every time that he gets those chances, he shows that he's worth uh, designing plays for. He's worth getting the ball to um, either in the run game or in the pass game. And um, I think that was big for, big for the Cowboys, big for him um, for the rest of the season and heading into next year. 
Bobby, we know you are a massive Ezekiel Elliott fan. Uh, oh yeah, the <laughs> biggest ones back. out there. Um, what's your What's your thoughts after seeing Tony Pollard with the an advanced workload? Do you think he's somebody that could that could carry the football? You know, 12, 15, 20 times a game and be the bell cow guy in Dallas, or is Ezekiel Elliott needed in this backfield? Man, I mean, I'll say I think any running back carrying the ball 20 times a game is a bad idea, generally. Also, um, yeah. agree. Like, that's the, like, I think there's a, a bit of confusion because uh, everybody's like, oh, you hate Zeke and yada, yada, yada. It's like, I don't hate Zeke. But he also, <laughs> he was not, you shouldn't have paid him the contract even if he was performing like he was in 2018 and 2019. 2020, he's been objectively worse than any year of his career, and it's after he's been paid. So, like, he wasn't worth it even if he was maintaining what you had seen from him recently. And he's definitely not worth it given what you've seen this season. Um, and I think that the, the confusion comes from, like, I'm not arguing that I want Tony Pollard to be here as like a running back with an eight-year contract or, or something like that. I'm, my thing is, like, I would like Tony Pollard to be the starting running back, like, splitting with somebody else maybe, like, over the next two years. And then when his contract's done, if he wants money, you'd say goodbye to him too. Like, my whole thing is just, like, at running back, like, the most important trait, in my opinion, is, like, explosiveness and right. home run ability. And Zeke doesn't have it. Zeke has not been a home run threat really since his rookie year. That was it. That was the last time. And he's just a battering ram right now. And battering rams don't win you football games. Um, even when you look at like somebody like Derrick Henry, who's a big bruising back, he also like still breaks big runs and he still Every got game. speed and he, and he makes big plays. And so yeah. you, you can't even compare. To me, Ezekiel Elliott is, it's not quite the same. It's not quite the same style. It's not quite the same size. It's n- anything like that. But like he is your version of Jerome Bettis and you don't right. play with Jerome Bettis in the national football league anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I saw somebody the other day comparing to like Marion Barber in 2010 or something. I was like, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, he's Barber didn't go down on the first or second tackle <laughs> though. Like, yeah, like that... and I'm not, I'm not trying to be like funnier than, but like he's, he's, he doesn't have the same contact balance anymore. Right. He's just a consistent four, five, six, like, I mean, like, basically what you, I would rather have, even though he's averaging two yards a carry or whatever he was at, Tony Pollard, before he broke that big run, I would rather have eight carries averaging two yards and then break 40 than I would five, one, no gain, three, 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 four, six, two. Like, I'd rather have that. Right. I'd rather, ha- I'd rather have what Tony Pollard can give than – what Ezekiel Elliott can give. And, and that's my big thing is that would people, if Ezekiel Elliott's name was, you know, John Smith, and this is the first you had seen from him, are people arguing about him as the best player on the team? Are people looking at the traits they've seen and things like that and going like, yeah, that's the dude. Like, team's game plan for that. Even if, you, even if it wasn't Ezekiel Elliott, if they would have replaced Ezekiel Elliott with a rookie running back named John Smith in 2018 and you just got the production he's given you or even 17, the production he's giving you from 17, 18, 19, 20. Are you talking about him like he's the best back in the league? There's a ton of obsession and holding on to things from four or five years ago. And, and yeah. you've got to look at what he is now, not what he was when he broke 60-yard runs against the Lions and the Bengals. 
Right. Yeah, and I think I think Mike, you know, you mentioned what traits you want in a running back in 2020, and you mentioned explosiveness. I think you know explosiveness, the ability to break tackles, and catching the football. Like if you can do those three things, you can be a starting running back in today's NFL. I, I don't, you know, I was talking with some few people on Twitter the other day, and. You know, a lot of people are like, well, he reads the reads and he reads keys so well. You know, he he performs well in the the running game that the Cowboys want to have. And I'm like, cool, like what you said, though, like if that only results in three and four yard carries almost every time, then I want the guy who averages a half to a yard less per carry, but is going to almost always break off that 25 to 40 yarder in what Cole was saying, you know, where you you start hearing people, you know, bring up the, well, if you take that play out, he only averaged such and such per, you can't do that with Tony Pollard because he does it on a consistent basis. When he gets the ability to carry the football, he almost always has at least one explosive run um, in those, in those games where he sees a, a decent chunk of, of workload. He's not going to do that in, in a four or five carry game because he's not getting the opportunities. But when he does get, you know, eight, he did it against the Steelers. He, you know, when he got nine carries in that game, He's done it multiple mm-hmm. times this year, and I think that, you know, again, I, I don't want, like you said, Bobby, I don't want to have Tony Pollard running the ball 25 times by any means, um, but I think you need to up his workload because you're increasing the offense's ability to create explosive plays, something they haven't been doing um, since Dak Prescott went out and well, since Ezekiel Elliott's fallen off a little bit. And my, one of my arguments here is also like, okay, yeah, he was averaging two yards per year, even if you want to give them that argument. Say, well, it's two yards a carry until that 40-yarder. Okay, well – you know, give me uh, Zeke's games this season where he, like, breaks his one 11-yard run for the game <laughs> and then, like, yeah. take that out of his three-and-a-half yards performance. And then, yeah, you're at two yards a carry. Just like, right. I mean, that, it's the same yeah. thing can be said about Zeke. It's just on a much smaller scale. That's been Zeke the last, honestly, two seasons. He, was, yeah. he, wasn't, he wasn't that guy last year. In fact, if we look at it, 2007, I don't know why people say, like, oh, he hasn't been the same back the last two years. Like, if you look at it, 18 was a good year for Zeke. Zeke was really good in 18. And, like, you know, I mean, he wasn't as good as he was his rookie year, but he was good. And and he still had some dynamic playability. He had that big game against Detroit. Uh, He had something like 130 Mm -hmm. yards rushing on, like, 16 carries against Seattle. Like, he was making plays. Um, But I think, realistically, what you've seen more of, you've got 2016 and 2018 with the explosiveness. You've got just the zero burst, you know, heavy legs churning the pile, Zeke, in 2017, 2019, and 2020. And it's like, you know, that's, that's not sustainable. And, and I'd rather – and I don't think there's any way they move on from Zeke this offseason. But yeah, I don't think so either. I think it'd have to be the year after. But, right. like, yeah. give me Tony Pollard and Kylan Hill. From Mississippi State. Give me Tony Pollard and Kylan Hill over Zeke. Right. Your yeah. football team is better if you have Tony Pollard and Kylan Hill as your running backs. Or, or yeah. even, honestly, Tony Pollard and Rico Dowdle. You're better, I think, with that duo than you are with Zeke as the bell cow. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I definitely agree. Let's dive into some draft uh, stuff. We're gonna we're we're wrapping things up, but I do want to talk a little bit of draft. I know you're uh, you're diving into it. Um, you're you're starting to kind of reach out and talking to a lot of these prospects too, who are going to be in the draft uh, this year. I know it's been a crazy year for college football, but um, Cole I had a question for you as far as draft goes, and I have a few for you as well. If if you got a few more minutes with us, absolutely not. All right, <laughs> Go see. <ahead>. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. Uh... 
So, Bob, you kind of mentioned Kylan Hill as a prospect that you wouldn't mind the Cowboys, you know, adding to the roster hypothetically. Um, what, who are some guys or even what position or route would you want the Cowboys to take on in the first round, even on day two to improve this team? Where do you think Dallas needs to improve the most to take that next step in the division, uh, get over the hump, and really make a run in the playoffs, assuming that Dak Prescott is re-signed and fully healthy and all of that? I mean, if the value's there in the first and or second round, I want to go, I want to get a tackle. Like you got to get ahead of Tyron's exit here because that's coming sooner than I think people think. And I will, there's been this talk about, you know, why go get, and they're not in position to get him now, but why go get Panay Sewell? You know, can he play guard? We'll have to play him at guard for a year or something, you know, while Tyron's it. No, 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 no. If you're drafting Panay Sewell, Tyron Smith is gone. That's just, he's not, I I would not, I think it's 50-50 that Tyron Smith ever plays a game for the Cowboys again, regardless of of getting Panay Sewell or not. And so my thought is go get a tackle in the first or second round, find the best value. If that's, you know, if that's Panay Sewell or that's Christian Derrissaw or it's, you know, Rashawn Slater, go get one of those guys, plug it in, pull it, rip off the Band-Aid, like get your new left tackle. And then every other pick after that, throw it at defense. That's what I would do in the draft. And so if you can find a tackle who's got good value in the first or second round, go for them. If you can't make the value match up with where you're picking, mm-hmm. you just throw everything at defense. Yeah, and that's kind of where I guess my everybody on this podcast take has really been opposite of what you just said. So I'm, gl- I'm glad we got a different opinion on here because yeah. we've been the ones who have said, you know, we don't want to go tackle in the first two or three rounds because of what we're hoping Dak Pres- you know, when Dak Prescott was here with the bad offensive line with Brandon Knight, Terrence Steele, you know, we are seeing them put up good numbers. So we were hoping that if you just get Lyle back or you just get development from Terrence Steele, it should be even improved from twenty 2020 twenty to two thousand twenty one. So it's it's kinda interesting to hear your your opinion on that because I mean have- I, I think I think if you go draft, let's say they were in position to get Sewell, which they're not. But, I mean, if they were picking third, like, I would no doubt in my mind think that's who they were taking, would be Panay right. Sewell. Right. But let's right. say they drafted Sewell. If they draft Sewell, then I think you're potentially looking at your offensive line next year as Sewell at left tackle, McGovern at left guard, Biotish at center, Martin at right guard, Lyle Collins at right tackle. There'd be a little battle probably at left guard for right. Connor Williams and, and Connor McGovern. And so you could probably interchange either one of those. But, like, I mean, I, I think that there's definitely, even if it's not this offseason, like I said, because I think it's 50-50, I think there is a, a bit of a sense of urgency from the Cowboys right now of, hey, we got to figure out who's going to be our starting left tackle sooner rather than later because this isn't lasting much longer. I, I would say it's 50-50 that he's back next year. I'd say it is 100% Tyron Smith isn't playing for the Cowboys in 2022. Because of retirement or because of the team moving on? Um, because of, I think... <laughs> Make sure if, both. It ha- if, 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 if it happens this offseason, that's a mutual parting of ways, I think. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. Gotcha. So, so I, I Not retirement. I, th- I, think he, I think he goes... Pl- I think if, he, if it's over now, I think it's... They've decided that it'd be best for everybody if they went their separate ways and that Tyron went and found a job somewhere else and that the Cowboys were able to move on and find somebody whose health was a little more reliable. Do you agree with that, or do you think that? 
I mean, you got y'all can ask David Hellman, Brian Broaddus, Jeff Cavanaugh. Like I was like quietly like talking to, and I may have tweeted it even. I was talking all last year that like I would have tra- I would have tried to trade Tyron to the Giants for a third round pick. Well. Hmm. So I think they actually missed it by a year because I don't think there's much, I, I don't think there's much value there anymore. So I wanted to get your take on Caleb Farley, the Virginia Tech cornerback. He is currently I haven't done grades yet, but started stacking guys. He's currently my favorite cornerback in this draft. So I guess you can say that he's my cornerback one in this this draft class so far. Um, I know you had a tweet the other day that you were starting to really like him as well. Do you currently have him as your top-rated corner? Um, and if not, who do you have there? I'm assuming it's probably a battle between Farley, Sertain, and, and J.C. Horn. Um, so I wanted to get your thoughts on Farley and then also get your thoughts on maybe the, the two other guys that we mentioned as well. So I... I, I haven't like even begun to like stack in mind guys that I like where would I would rank them. To me, though, like if you're saying like out of the top corners, who I think they're pretty much the guys that you said, and then you could add like you know Kendrick from Clemson. Um, I think that the highest ceiling, the guy who has legitimate like number one shutdown potential, is Caleb Farley. For sure. But I think there's also, I, I mean, the tools are like completely natural. All the God-given traits you need to be a lockdown corner like he's got them right and he seems to have good instincts for a guy who has not played the position very long but that's also the thing is that he has not played the position very long there is some i think bust potential there i don't necessarily think he will but i think there's some bust potential if you're looking for the safest guy who will go out there and like you feel like that's going to be a guy who would start from day one and give us good reps for the next five years across from trayvon diggs i think that's jc horn from south carolina And, you know, I I think that there's something to be said um, about the bloodlines and the ability and the big program pedigree of a guy like Patrick Sertain. But I would I'd currently if if I was forced to stack them today, I think I'd probably go Farley Horn Sertain. That's going to be probably close to what I end up with as well. So I'm, I'm, I, might, I might have Kendrick above Sertain. Oof. So you think Sertain mm. will be your fourth corner? Maybe. I, it's, it's, it's still up in the air. But, yeah, it's, it's certainly possible that I think it could end up. And I'm not saying, like, Sertain's bad. He's right, right. a first-round player, I think. But, you know, I, I think there's some decent options at cornerback this year. The big advantage to me that J.C. Horn has is you saw him put out film against people like, you know, Kyle Pitts in Florida this year. Like, he actually, and he was, you know, going up against some of these bigger programs. So, like, like, I mean, I think there's a real benefit there that obviously a guy like Farley doesn't have. Sure. Cole, do you have anything else before we get out of here? Um, I think y'all covered it all because I was also interested to hear his thoughts on the corners as well. Um, I guess um, if there is a position the Cowboys could surprise us with, um, what do you think that is? Do you think they're, they could take one of the wide receivers? Do you think they could take Pitts if they somehow win a division and pick at 17-18 or whatever? Or do you think they are strictly focused on the defensive side of the ball? I mean, I think I think defense or tackle is what you're picking in the first round. There's, I, I suppose there's a there's a chance that they could have Pitts graded high enough, and if he was 
where they were picking that they wouldn't view it as a waste of resources. Yeah. I think it would be, but I mean, they, they could conceivably sort of same thing that it was CD lamb. Although to me, it's like CD lamb is a, a starter. You need three receivers. You had two. So to me, you did have a hole there. And mm-hmm. so, right. you know, I, I don't yeah. know that it's the same exact fit, especially if you've seen Blake Bell and Dalton Schultz play pretty well this year. And then you've yeah. got Blake Jarwin coming back. Um, and it's like, you know, that yeah. you've got depth there. I don't know that that's, a need if the Dak injury if the Cowboys move on from Dak and I didn't say this earlier but if the Cowboys move on from Dak to me that says not that they don't believe in him or they want to change it that to me says they've gotten a bad prognosis or something on the injury and that there's concern about the injury so if in the event that they've determined this offseason that the you know the injury isn't great then sure like if they had they had concerns about his future then they could go get a quarterback but I don't think they'll go get a quarterback just to play hardball like it's they're going to have to believe they're without a quarterback. And so that could be, you know, if you're, if I know Trevor Lawrence is the clean, you know, Andrew Luck style prospect here, but I, I really, I really, really love Zach Wilson from Mm -hmm. BYU. And I think Lawrence, Lawrence should be the number one quarterback. But to me, like, I at least feel like, really confident that Zach Wilson is firmly the second best quarterback in this group. I feel like he is definitely better than Justin Fields and Trey Lance. I think Trey Lance is bringing up the rear pretty significantly as four, but that's just Lance to me is all like traits. Right. And that, that's risky. Yeah. Especially for a guy who's only played a handful of games and just a big risk involved. Um, I did want to touch on one thing real quick before we get out of here. I know you mentioned Prescott and the injury. Have you heard anything negative or positive regarding the injury? No, I mean, other than just the same sort of, you know, he's ahead of schedule and yada, yada, yada. So, I mean, no, I think everything's, you know, fine there. Um, There there hasn't been any indication. But that's my thing is that I think that if they were to move on, then to me it's like, okay, well, that just signals that, like, things weren't great and this leak wasn't getting out there for a reason. And that, you know, they're, they're going to need to figure something out. Sure. And so that would be mm-hmm. – that's my thought, is that I don't think you're hitting reset on quarterback, no matter how much you think it's going to cost, just because you don't want to pay it or you think, like, you really believe in this guy's potential over what you definitely have in Dak Prescott. To me, it's you have determined we no longer have a quarterback. We don't have an option there because that guy is not going to be able to play moving forward. And there's no indication that that's the truth. Right, but to right. me, that would, that would, that's what that would signal to me. If we haven't heard anything on the Prescott injury front other than the same periodic updates and then they pick a quarterback, that to me goes, okay, they picked a quarterback because their current one is shot. Gotcha, gotcha. That leg ankle work. Makes sense. But, yeah, that does make a yeah. ton of sense. Appreciate, appreciate that. Bobby, before we get you out of here, are you a Christmas guy or do you hate Christmas? No, I love <laughs> Christmas. Who doesn't love Christmas? There's people who do not love Christmas. There are some people, yeah. <laughs> I've never, like, like, what, I mean, I get there, are, but, like, I also feel like that's kind of a bit. Like, people who hate Christmas, I feel like, are, like, kind of doing a little bit of a bit. Or it's like the, like, that band sucks. Like, kind you're of just different, yeah. Yeah, like, you're just, you're, like, you're a hipster or whatever. You're a holiday <laughs> hipster. Like, I, I think yeah. you're just doing, like, a thing. Like, you don't really, at your core, believe, believe that. So, I think, yeah, I think everybody yeah. loves Christmas. Do you have lights on the house? Or are you a, are you a... Not not get climbing the roof type of guy. Do I do I what with the roof? Do you have lights on the house? Uh no, see like we've got these little like uh 
Man, I'm the worst at this. I honestly didn't even know we had like a, a decorative theme in our home for the first three years we lived there. Like I found out three years in that like everything was the same color. It was like one day. And then I found out like my wife had even like bought me shoes. I was like, oh, cool, new sneakers. And like then I realized like later on, like she picked a colorway that like matched the house. Like it was the same. And like I didn't know it for years. And so I can't tell you what they are, but I think we have two... I want to say it's like a Santa and maybe a reindeer, like inflatable things, not like super big, like maybe three, four feet tall. And they're like, they're on the porch and we've got some lights around uh, a couple of the windows. And then inside, you know, we got the tree up and everything. But no, I, we, we've never done roof lights. We did when I was a kid at my dad's house, but that was just, you know, plain old white lights around the, the gutters. What are, what are the girls asking for for Christmas? And then we will let you get out of here. You know, it's interesting. Somebody asked me that the other day, like, oh, what's the big thing like your kids want this year? And I was like, you know, there's not, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the pandemic. And so there's not this like hanging around the same kids that you normally would. And then they get the group thing going on. Mm-hmm. Of like, oh yeah, we all want this thing. Like, so there's nothing they're like, they're asking for some stuff, but the big thing they wanted is they just wanted to go. They like wanted to go somewhere. So like, we're going, like we're taking a family trip for new year's. And so, like, I mean, we're doing that, and that's kind of what they wanted. They don't really want an item this year. I mean, they're asking for little, like, things here and there, but there's not, like, a, you know, a, a little Red Rider BB gun or something that they're like, oh, I need that. <laughs> well, cool. I appreciate you coming on. I, I appreciate yeah. the, the Christmas spirit as well. I'm a, I'm a big yeah, fan of Christmas, so I, I, love, I love Christmas. This is a great time of the year for for a lot of people. So I uh, appreciate you coming on and, and dropping a lot of knowledge on the Cowboys, Dak Prescott. Um, you know, you're a big Ezekiel Elliott fan and uh, whenever we can get that on the show, we have to. Yeah. I, I mean, Thanks, I'm, I'm just trying to get, I'm trying to get Ezekiel Elliott 40 touches and Tavon Austin 25. Just give me that <laughs> offense and, and we'll be good. Let everybody know where they be can rolled. find you so we can uh, get you out of here and get you one day closer to Christmas. I'm at Bobby Belt TX. That's on Twitter, and that's like really all you need to know of where to find everything else because it's all kind of like linked in the bio and such. Well, follow him on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter. Follow Blogging the Boys on Twitter. Thanks again, Bobby. We really do appreciate it. We yeah, will be back next you. week, post Christmas. Hopefully, a uh, maybe hopefully another Cowboys win. We'll see what happens. It is the Eagles, so anytime you, mean, you hopefully. can. No, 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 no win. <laughs> no, it's the Eagles. Team tank. I'm, I'm team win this division. Dwayne Haskins is in the strip clubs. He's going to ruin it for Washington. We're coming back. <laughs> I'm about back. that. Right after a loss. I'm about that. What, <laughs> what, whatever. You can, you, can win your, you can win your final two games, miss the playoffs in the end anyway, because Washington will beat Carolina <laughs> or whoever they have this week, and then you'll be going, oh, great. We won all those games to pick 15, and now there's no J.C. Horn or uh, Panay Sewell or <laughs> Caleb Farley or Rashawn Slater. And then you're sitting there and you go, I, I don't know. I guess we're, uh, we're picking – you know, somebody like uh, Christian Barmore or something. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I would I would be upset about that. But uh, Well, and just remember, it would have been your fault for cheering for the victory. So. It will, you can blame it on me. Blame it on me. But uh, we will see you guys next week. Thanks again, Bobby. Cole, Connor, we're out. We'll see you next week. We are Talking the Star.